It's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest is Jasmine Gillespie, Miss Jazzy underscore fit on Instagram. She's a former Canadian bodybuilder turned personal fitness trainer, and she helps people get their life in order. And she de- details her life and the struggle she had with food and growing up and now taking over her father's business after her father passed. It's a great podcast. It's fun. It's insightful. I hope you enjoy my guest, Miss Jasmine Gillespie. This woman's busy, Wyatt. Very busy, and you're screwing around. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I, I always can't wait. I just love my guests. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini, and this, my guest today, I didn't know that I had already encountered her. That's kind of weird, but here's what happened. Now, me and a, another comic call will remain nameless because I don't know if he wants this information out there like that. We love fitness women. We love women that work out, uh, bodybuilders. Uh, I, I like bodybuilders and I love CrossFit and I love, you know, I love I love those women. I don't care what anybody says. Those women like made me go, hmm. And we always, tra- we DM photos of these women. And so I saw her Instagram. I was like, okay. And I was like, okay. And I was like, okay. You know, I always talk people on Instagram, but the, but the one that got me the most was when you were dancing with your kids. And then I was, as I explored her more, I locked, I saw the picture made me go, aha. And it was the one with the short shorts and you were, and I was like, I have got to get her on the show now. So she is, she's been featured in the, in the book bloom where you are planet 50 conversations with, uh, women of, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. She's from Canada. She is fit. She is beautiful. My guest, I'm going to call her Jasmine Gillespie. You can call her Miss Jazzy Fit. How are you doing, Jazz? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am excited to talk to you because, honestly, I I looked you up and there was only just enough for me to have a, a basis of a conversation. There wasn't too much, but just enough for me to go, okay, here we go. You know what I mean? Some, I guess I, there's a lot and I go, okay, this one was just enough. So it's going to be get, great to get to know you and see how beautiful your insides are as well as your outsides. Because I think honestly, you're a very fit woman, very beautiful woman, but I know the journey always wasn't like that. And that's what I want to get to because, um, I just, like I said, I love fitness women. I love women that do athletic stuff. I think it's great for, honestly, I think it's great for girls to look up to. You know what I mean? And so tell me about your journey. Like, are you born and raised in Canada? Are you, uh, what got you into fitness? I know you did uh, Taekwondo for 14 years. So tell me about your journey in life. Well, I guess I was born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. I've never lived anywhere else, um, which is, something that I hope to change one day. I mean, I feel like uh, to grow as a person moving around and living and experiencing different places are, you know, only good for your success and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, no, born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I did Taekwondo for 14 years. Uh, So my parents put me in when I was about four years old for self-defense purposes. And it kind of just escalated into this competitive, um, I guess, lifestyle I had. Um, So I actually became homeschooled when I was in grade eight so I could train seven hours a day. Um, Wow. Are you seven hours a day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I did classes for hours in the mornings and then I do schoolwork in between and then I would go back and and train at night, but I'd also teach younger kids as well. So it just was developed into my whole life pretty much. So basically from about 12, 13 to 17, um, all I did was travel competing. Um, so I, I, nationals was always held in Orlando, Florida and in Las Vegas. So I would go there every year. Uh, world, weirdly enough, was in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. How'd so, you do? How'd you do? How'd yeah. you do? You, <laughs> so I traveled. Um, actually, so the way that they did competitions is that you, all year you would compete and accumulate points. Mm-hmm. And each First, second, third place you would get in whatever category, whether it was forms or sparring or weapons. Uh, you'd accumulate points throughout the competitive year. And then at the end of the year, the girls that were ranked in the top 10 all compete, competed for world champ at the end of the competitive year. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, I was competing. How old was I? I was 17. So I was from 17 to 29 year olds, uh, second and third degree black belt women. So that's a big big range um so it wasn't done by height or weight so i did go to world championships um i didn't win i was up against a girl that was over six feet tall so obviously when you're 
competing in, in, in a martial art, you know, uh, reach and all that kind of stuff plays a big part in it. So um, I didn't do as well as I wanted to, but they started changing um, a lot of the, the rules and stuff. And a lot of people were getting their noses broken and their ribs and stuff. So they started implementing things like chest protectors and face masks and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I'm not in a martial art because if you can't take a hit, you shouldn't be in a martial art. So right. it just got to the point where I, I couldn't walk properly because this, this big puffy thing was over my chest. I couldn't see properly because I felt like I was in a fishbowl. Um, so that was kind of at that time I tried, I tried, started to transition out of martial arts, but it kept me out of trouble growing up, to be honest. I mean, traveling around the world and competing and training seven hours a day, you don't have much time to get into trouble, right? So, Well, well martial arts has a, a great sense of discipline. That's what I love about it. And I think props to your parents, because I've always said if I ever had a daughter, the first thing I would teach her is a straight right. Because yeah. the, way I, the way I see it is eventually a boy's going to be a boy and he's going to grab her butt. And once you hit a boy in the nose at that and from elementary school, you hit a boy in the nose, that reputation will take you all the way until middle school or junior high. And then boys get a little handsy then, another straight right. That reputation is going to take you to high school and then you have to start all over again. But so how to protect yourself, I feel is crucial for a girl, especially young women at that age to teach them, hey, you know, when you say when you mourn them once, no means no. And they test you, then they get the repercussions, then they realize you mean business. And it's not a mean thing, but I think it's a crucial thing that all women should be taught that. So props to your parents for that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I've been teaching my daughters at home. Now, I don't mean to talk badly about Taekwondo, but um, in, you know, there's different martial arts, you know, there's Muay Thai, kickboxing and all this kind of stuff. I felt like um, once I got a taste of other martial arts, I found that Taekwondo was very limited contact. So it was controlled contact. So we could get uh, penalized for kicking somebody too hard. Yes. Kind of thing. But so it came to the point where I was like, well, this is kind of not what I'm looking for anyway. So I've been teaching my daughters the same thing. So if they say no, no means no. Um, yes. And I hope that actually one of my long-term goals is to be able to kind of do a tour down um, the West Coast here. So starting in Vancouver and then going probably all the way down to Southern California, doing self-defense seminars for women. Um, because I feel like a lot of women just don't have access to that kind of thing or they don't even think about it, you know. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially in this day and age, you see so much stuff on the news about, you know, women getting attacked and people getting attacked, not just women. Yes. And um, I really think it's important for them to have access to be able to at least learn how to, you know, if somebody comes up behind them, how to defend themselves or if somebody grabs them, how to at least get out of it to run. You know, I, I wouldn't expect for an average woman that has no martial arts background to be able to, you know, take somebody down or anything like that. But <laughs> well, you know, honestly, it's like I, I uh, after the broadcast, hopefully you'll look up one of my past episodes with a girl named Kiana Dianju. She uh, she uh, was martial arts and she wants to teach uh, uh, seminars to help girls, you know, defend themselves in, in self-defense classes. So if you look that up, get in touch with her. You guys get something. Done. I think that would be wonderful. I think that'd be great. I, I For some reason, I think it resonates more for some reason. I don't know why you get two beautiful women. Showing they can defend themselves, I I just feel like it's gonna. I don't know why. It's maybe sexist, but it, it has more of a impact. I think honestly, you know what I mean? Because it's like the, it's like the gift and the curse, right? You're beautiful, you're attractive, you turn heads, and with with that, you know, with that comes the curse of. There's always that one guy out of you know the one guy who's gonna push it a little too far, and you gotta let him know, hey, I mean business, and bam, you know, like oh god, she's serious, you know. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, I've definitely hurt. Uh, not, I was ever, never in an instance that somebody didn't, you know, take no for no. Um, but there definitely was for a few times growing up. I grew up with brothers. I was the middle child of two brothers. So there was lots of uh, quote unquote WWE nights <laughs> here in the sense that, uh, you know, when we're like, you know, under. We clear out the living room and we have these brawls you know, between like all our friends and stuff. And I definitely uh, had hurt a couple of my brother's friends in the past. I might've broken one of their noses, not on purpose. <laughs> they wanted to see how high I could kick and they know, most people know that when I go up for a head kick, don't lean into it. And one of their friends leaned into it and I was like, okay, that's not my fault. But uh, we definitely <laughs> had a few altercations in our in our household growing up. Because I, I, was, I was a tomboy growing up. I had two brothers, I had to hold my own. So I mean, that's just kind of how, you know, my, my life, or sorry, my, my childhood was, but uh, yeah, no, Taekwondo definitely played a huge part. I'm like, you know, I think 
as much as it quote unquote is to me like more of a wussy type of martial art, um, it teaches you courtesy, respect, discipline, integrity, and these are things that I feel like nowadays, um, you know, schools and parents don't put enough emphasis on. Like, you know, kids don't know how to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, or they don't yes. know how just, you know, basic courtesy and integrity and all this kind of stuff. And so I feel like that definitely implemented all that into my life. Um, and now I'm teaching that to my daughters and it's, you know, again, it's, it's more than just a martial art. No, it's beautiful. I mean, honestly, that's what got me was when you were doing your ex, I think you were doing uh, the, you know, Russian twist and your daughter came in with, you know, it was Halloween and she came in and started dancing when you're on the, I, I, I honestly, I laughed and I watched that and I watched it over and over again. And you can't help but have a smile with that. And there's another one you're working out. And if you look in the mirror, you see your other daughter, she's on the, you know, she's on the stairmaster. And I go, that you are such a great mom. I can tell from that you are a great mom because you you plant that seed early, a positive seed early of taking care of your body. You know, because uh, the body is the foundation. Without the body, you have nothing. Without your health, you have nothing. So, props to you for get, for teaching your daughters what it's like to have a healthy lifestyle. And I think that is beautiful. You incorporate them in your life. Like you don't like shun them. Like, hey, mommy's gonna do this. You guys go do that. You say, hey, come watch mommy do this. And I think that's beautiful. Well, we're, we're, we're a unit. There's the, you know, I'm a single mom. So it's been the three of us since 2016. And that's when I got into competing in bodybuilding and all that kind of stuff. So they were only two and four at the time I started to really, you know, I did, you know, one, it started off with wanting to lose baby weight. I did P90X in my living room with my first daughter and she was six <laughs> months old and she was jumping all over me. So you know, I didn't know how to use the machine. So my little brother, you know, taught me in the gym and then I had my second and then you know, hired a trainer because it was it's hard to lose baby weight. And then it kind of morphed into this whole thing. So the girls have definitely been um, exposed to fitness and, you know, the gym and healthy eating from a very, very young age. And so that's what they've grown up around. My oldest would prefer to have a Caesar salad over McDonald's. Um, <laughs> great. And that's great. My youngest always asks to go in the gym with me. Dancing is a big part of our lives as well. We always have music on in here. So we're in the kitchen or we're getting ready for school. There's music on, everyone's dancing. So that's uh, kind of how our household works here. What's your What's your music of choice to go to when you guys go Honestly, to first, it's probably R&B. R&B and soul are like my, my thing. It just hits you differently. Oh, is it 90s R&B, 80s R&B, 70s R&B, or the present? Because I always say 70s R&B was the greatest period for R&B. They played their own instruments. And for some reason, you felt that a little bit more. Maybe I'm an old, uh, old head, but I just feel like 70s R&B just hit a little different. Well, I feel like every generation brings something new. Now, I guess like nowadays, the R&B obviously sounds nothing like what the R&B did in the 70s. Yeah. Um, 90s R&B always hits me different too. Just I'm born in the night. I'm born in 1990. So I mean, even though I wasn't really listening to R&B, you know, as I was three, four years old. Pardon? Are, are you are you a Keith Sweat fan? Are you? Is that your man, Keith Sweat? No, you know who is one of my favorites is Anthony Hamilton. Are you? Oh my good! I'm not a big R&B fan from uh, mid 80s on, but Anthony yeah. Hamilton's good. He's, He's good. one of our favorites. My daughters pretty much know every word to every one of his songs. Um, I like. I remember being pregnant, cooking, listening to that kind of thing. So like Charlene, they know every single. They know every single word from. And, and that's why. That's why you play that when they're pregnant, and yeah. they 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 hear that. I mean, so that's their music. It's weird, but I'm a firm believer in that. You know. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much like all music. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge fan of country. It just never, <laughs> never sat with me right. But I mean, like, I'll listen to classical when I'm doing homework or like that kind of thing. Or like when I'm working, I'll have classical on. But uh, mostly R&B. I do like, like hip hop and rap and all that kind of good stuff, too. But uh, I guess it depends what the mood is. If I'm meal prepping or I'm getting ready to go out for the night. I'm listening to R&B, but if I'm, you know, in the gym, the beats per minute just isn't the same, right? So you need something a little bit more hype to get you going. And, you know, listening to Anthony Hamilton while doing burpees is not going to get you <laughs> going, you know what I mean? So. Okay, if you're going to do burpees, if you're going to do burpees, which I hate, uh, what's the go-to music? Uh, I listen to, like, Meek Mills, Jay-Z, all them, like, to make sure that <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Going on. 
Here's what I say. Honestly, for me personally, if you want to be in a good mood, put yourself in a good mood before you get ready, put on some EDM, electronic music. And I tell you what, man, that because you never frown. It's always that people make fun of it because it's, you know, but it's like, but you're always like this and you're taking a shower. Like, I'm gonna have a great night tonight. You're never frowning. Like It's gonna be a good night. And you're dancing and it sounds so cheesy, but I'm a cheesy dude. It sounds so cheesy, but when you're dancing, the endorphins that you release, you feel so good, and it's a positive vibe, man. It really is. It's like, okay, we have a great time, and you're bouncing, and you're just doing stupid stuff, but you know what? It makes sense, though. You put you in a great mood, and then boom, your night's good. To me, sometimes if you listen to too much rap, and it depends on who it is, then it can affect your mood in a different way. Like, man, I hope I, I wish somebody will pull out in front of me, and it's a different mood, you know what I mean? Where... <laughs> EDM, EDM gets me in a great mood. For me personally, I like to put myself in a mindset of I'm going to work out. It's that, it's that build up. I always think I always think UFC or I'm about to start an athletic event or I'm going to wrestle again. So I put on like I the perfect is Hell's Bells by ACDC, and after that, that workout's going to be great. It's like they get that dong, dong. Yeah. It's like and you, you're, you're warming up like oh here we go, here we go. And yeah, to me, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally get it. I like EDM for like cardio, like if I'm sprinting, because then it's like I challenge myself to go as fast as the beats per minute then. Uh, but EDM, definitely, like for cardio purposes, absolutely. I feel like I need a little bit more like I need words and all this kind of stuff when I'm in, you know, the gym. And like I'm that one that like between sets is like I'm bobbing my head and like I'm getting myself in the zone kind of thing. But uh, the, I guess what puts me in like the best mood too is like Afrobeats. Afrobeats and like dance hall for some reason, just yes. uh, it hit it hits different. Yes, yes, I I love yes it's that, that good workout that you get that sweat going and you know how it is. I got to tell you, you're more professional. Is that when you're in that zone and it just hits and you're in that workout, you go, oh, this is it. You get that zen feeling like, oh, this is it. Let's, let's, let's load it up a little bit more. And you hear that wobble, wobble, that whoa, 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 whoa. And you go, uh-oh, you're going heavy. Oh, it's a great feel. I saw you doing hack squats and I was telling my producer, because my producer, he doesn't really like muscle women. And I go, really? And so and I saw you doing hack squats and I go, back in my heyday, because I've got, I got some pretty, I thought I had some pretty good thighs till I saw you. But I, I, I was decent back in my heyday and I was pretty good on the hack squat. And I saw you and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, that was at what, at least four plates at least? Yeah. How, yeah. How, what's, what's your max? Your max? To be honest, I only started maxing things out within the last year. So I've never trained that way. I never had a need to train that way because it's always been aesthetics over strength. And, you know, sometimes training for strength isn't going to give you the look that you want. So I've always right. trained, um, you know, more lower weights, higher reps adding lots of plyometrics and that kind of stuff. So it's just within the last year where I was curious to see how strong I actually am. Uh, for hack squat, it is four plates aside. I can get about 10 plates aside for um, leg press. I do about 275 pounds for um, squat and deadlift. So it just recently in the last year, I've really tried to play around with that, but it's hard. When you're doing strength training, like it is a slow road in the sense that you ain't putting on a new plate every week. Like you are like on five pounds every couple weeks trying to get those reps in and it is it's difficult and my joints don't like me now I can say that right now <laughs> but well, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been interesting I mean you get bored when you're training for so long I was going to get to that later, but since you already hit it, because I mean, it's, I, I got a couple of years on you and I'm like, you have no idea what your joints are going to be telling you in, in a couple. You have no idea. But you know what? Like my dad always said, you'll see. Yeah, <laughs> My dad always said, you'll see. But when yeah. it comes to that. And I think you're hitting the, and I think right now, and I correct me if I'm wrong, I always tell my guests, call me out if, I, if, if, if I'm, you know, off the mark, but I always mm -hmm. tell my guests that sometimes, and I was a, a big gym rat and it reached a point where, you know, I was doing different stuff, and, and, but I just kind of got bored. And then I like, now I'm really into cycling. I'm really into mobility and movement. And that's mm -hmm. my thing now. So mm -hmm. like, how are you dealing with that? Because I mean, I felt like from your post, I was feeling like you're the same way. Well, greater thing about you, you're very revealing. You were saying how it was so hard for you to get out of bed and how you, you know, to, to go to the workout today. Like you slept until noon, I think one post said, and, like, and you finally got out and did it. So how are you dealing with the boredom and how do you like tell your people who you train through your training, uh, you know, regiment? Like, you know, how do you tell them? What, what if they say, hey, I'm getting bored too with the lifting. What do you tell them and how do you deal with it? 
Um, I mean, I just, I say try something different. So, I mean, lots of gyms and facilities offer classes and stuff. So, like, if you're getting bored with the, you know, basic, let's quote unquote, bro split in the gym, uh, try something different. So, I mean, recently, and like you said, when your dad used to tell tell you, you'll see. Um, it's funny because when I start telling people that I feel like an old lady and my joints hurt, I, I'm, I'm 32 next month. And Ooh. so people are like, you're only in your 30s. What are you talking about? Like, I'm seriously, as soon as I hit 30, it was like my joints were like, no, fuck you. I don't want to, I don't want to function. <laughs> so, with that being said, <laughs> I started having to do yoga. Because it just felt like, you know, doing 14 years of martial arts, flexibility and mobility were such a big thing for so long. And then you switch into bodybuilding and there's not such an emphasis on that, that I'm now finding after, you know, getting into my 30s that my flexibility isn't so easy no more. Like even in my 20s, when I first started getting into bodybuilding, I could still kick above my head, no problem, without stretching every day. And now it's like, it hurts. I go to do that. Like, I, I, even when my little brother's around me, I'll start, you know, shadow boxing him in the kitchen or something like that. And he'll like, and then I'll go to do a head kick. I'm like, oh, no, that didn't feel right. He's like, you can't do that no more, Jazz. You can't do that. So, I mean, you Listen. just got to find something different. That's, I was going to say that. I said, what you got to do is, graduate, here's what I've been doing every morning. I've, uh, I have my, about five or six people that I love to follow on YouTube, yoga instructors. I get my yeah. little, I get my yoga mat down and I pick a YouTube, I put it on TV and I do at least, you know, some, some an hour, some 30 minutes, some from 10 minutes. If you're in a hurry, 10 minute yoga and, and you could target your uh, body part. Let me tell you something. Gradually, I think you'll like that more. I mean, at yoga and you get, you know, you work on your flexibility and it's good for your mind, meditation. I highly recommend yoga and also a little thing like getting into the sauna. You know? Yeah, I'll squat yoga. So it's like two in one. Yes. So I'm wetting so much. And see, I have troubles with meditation. I think meditation is very important. I think it helps people with their mental, emotional health, just the capability of being able to control your feelings. Um, and I find that I struggle with meditation. My head is, what do I say to my friends? I say that my head's like an internet explorer and I got like a thousand tabs up at once. That's how my head works. So the only way I can successfully um, meditate is if I go to, to an actual class and I'm in a class and it's quiet. They got that really Zen music on, it's hot, I'm sweating. And I can listen to them being like, okay, you need to focus on your breath. So just think about your breath. Breathe four seconds in, hold it for one second. Breathe four seconds out, hold, hold it for a second. And you're having, and I can sit there and I'm in a stretch and I can feel like the sweat just beating down my face and like listening to them. And that's the only way I can shut everything else out. And even then I struggle because I'll sit there and I'll be like, hey, focus on your breath, focus on your breath. Okay, four seconds in, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh crap, I have to do this tomorrow. And it's like, it is really hard to stay in that moment. No, I think <laughs> it is. Yeah, but it I is. think that yoga... Yoga is great. And like when you're doing weightlifting and all that kind of stuff, it's going to start making your muscles more and more tense. So if you're not stretching, if you're not doing things like yoga or focusing on mobility and stretching, uh, you're just going to be one stiff motherfucker one day and you're not even going to be able to like wash your own back or, you know, sit down properly. So, I mean, these days I definitely have put more on that. Get a loofah. I got a loofah and I can do my back. And I and I do and honestly, because this is something my mom taught this is something my mom I always remember this. I don't know how. I don't know how, but we're we're country people. But my mom just remembers my uncle, her brother, having back dirt. And he didn't wash his back. And for some reason it stuck with me, back dirt. So I always get a loofah and I and I always make sure I don't have back dirt. And so I'm in the shower, I do this. And, <laughs> Little things. Hey, so I, you never want back dirt. As, as um, attractive as you are, I would want you to go out with some dude. And he goes, man, she had back dirt. Well, I, thank I, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that to get out like as fine as she is. She had back dirt. We had to let her go. So I don't want that to happen either. So, so get a loofah. But but practice yoga. Yoga and movement and, and everything I think is good for you. And the meditation. Because you know what I found fascinating about you is, you know, from afar, and it's true, though, you know, you're a leader. I think people look up to you. You know, you got a lot of sponsorships. And I was actually using some of your products even before I knew that you endorsed them or whatever. And so, but I was reading it. I knew you had ballooned up to a, a 207 at one time. And and I felt like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like for some reason you were in a bad mental sp space. And then you got, and then you found yourself. But but it was a struggle. And I was asking you, like, what was that about? What were you going through? And I would think, because I was thinking with martial arts training, 
you, you'd be immune to that, but you're not. So what was going on in your life during that time? Well, I mean, we're all human, right? So we're all got yeah. our ups and downs, highs and lows. You know, one day we can be on cloud nine, you know, getting all these business opportunities, making lots of money, you know, doing all this and that. And then the next day, you know, something can happen in your life and everything switches. Um, honestly, when I was 207, it was the week I had my daughter, my first daughter. Um, and after getting out of martial arts, I was about 17, 18. And because I stayed out of trouble for all that, all those teenage years, when I hit 17, 18, I found the parties and I found all this kind of stuff for the first time. And that's when I kind of started getting into some trouble, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd, drinking on the weekends and just like, I, I was lost because we, we, we graduated from high school and a lot of like, I've always been a tomboy. I've always had way more guy friends than girlfriends just because I, I don't like drama. I don't like petty shit like that. So I always resonated with hanging out with my homeboys opposed to, you know, I've always had my solid girlfriends. Don't get me wrong, but I've always got along with men better. So I always hung out with like the jocks and up here, Canada, it, hockey is a huge thing. So all my no. homeboys growing up in high school got scholarships for hockey down in the States. So everybody, once that summer after high school ended, all my homeboys left, they all went for scholarships down in the States and, I was kind of like lost, like, well, what am I doing with myself? I didn't even know what I wanted to do. So at that point, it was like, hey, well, you know, whoever was left, um, I just started partying and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I got pregnant at nine, at 20. Oh. And so I, that stopped real quick. So I, you know, partied for a few years, then I got pregnant. It was like, okay, well, which way do you want to go? Are we continuing this lifestyle or are we going to go this way? So um, I guess you could say my getting pregnant with my first daughter definitely smart me up in the sense that like who knows where you know my life could have ended up if I didn't have her yeah. um so I was young I was 21 when I had my first daughter Mila and it was um that was when I was at my heaviest and it was more so like you know just uh, her father wasn't very healthy either so we were just eating crap he was never into fitness or anything so it was like you know we went to 7-eleven every night and spent 50 bucks on crap oh. so that's how like my early 20s went. Yeah. yeah and so I um after I had Mila, my first daughter, and I was 207, I looked in the mirror and I just, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like what I saw. And at the end of the day, when you don't like something about yourself, you're the only one that can change that. Nobody's coming to save you. You yes. know, nobody, there's no magic pill. You just have to learn. I, and so basically, I guess I could say that I kind of rechanneled the discipline that I had from martial arts at that point. Um, and it was like, hey, well, I have a daughter now, so I can't continue this lifestyle that I have. Um, so that was like my, I guess the light switch there. And then I, I had my, my second daughter and it, I just got more and more serious and more and more into it. So after I had my second daughter, I put myself through personal training school, um, and just got certified that way and used the, you know, the information on my own body. I didn't actually start training anyone until 2020. Before that, I just wanted information for myself because I just think the human body is a fascinating thing and I could yes. use whatever I learned in personal training school for my own training for myself. But, um, I'd say the biggest turning point for me was when I left the girl's dad. Um, you know, I was so insecure with him and it wasn't a very healthy relationship. So at the end of the day, um, you know, he used to tell me I looked like shit. And so I took that and it was like, I felt like I was never going to be worth anything. And um, at my lowest point, I said to myself that I'd rather spend the rest of my life alone than to stay in this situation and that's making me feel this way. So when I left, I, I thought to myself that I was going to be alone forever. And, and uh, um, you know, I did my first bodybuilding competition and I put myself through school and then it was like, fitness saved me if you will fitness and health and like really just like losing the weight and feeling good about myself yeah. gave me the confidence to leave and then I found my my new life from there and then it's just you know escalated from there so 207 was definitely like humbling to say the least especially when you know you're you're so active your whole life and then you get to being this big girl and it's not fun to look in the mirror and hate yourself no, I I mean, honestly, it's funny you say that because it it's parallels like exactly I was going through. I was I was 
I guess a skinny kid, I guess, whatever. And then I think eighth grade, I got really fat. And uh, I remember getting ready to take a shower. And my dad goes, you look disgusting. And to me, that was the light. When he said that, it just made me so mad. And I was like, I'll show you, motherfucker. Of course, I didn't say that to him. I, didn't, I like my teeth. No, you say yeah. yeah. So you make that. And you make, I, say, I told myself from here on out, I will never be that way again. And that and that was the, 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 you know, the, the light bulb for me to always work out. And so now it's so great now that. You know, I follow my dad's footsteps of always staying in shape. He showed me the pistol squat when we were growing up. And this was back in the 70s. And we were like, yeah, whatever, daddy. And I mean, now it's the big thing. But he did it back then. He goes, see what I can do? And we were like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then we tried to be like, damn, daddy's good. And so, you know, so fitness has always been a part of a strict regimen of me and my father and just always staying in shape. So then from there, and I want to ask you this now, you know, bodybuilding is a very narcissistic sport. Uh, so, so when you became a bodybuilder or whatever, did you feel your personality changing and what aspect mentally uh, was still left in the girl who was a big girl or did you leave that behind or did that still linger? I mean, I think that because I was bigger at one point, um, getting into bodybuilding, you, you still have this somewhat of a humble mentality in that sense. If you never had to be that skinny kid or that big girl, um, you know, you don't resonate with that anymore. So, I mean, when I was one, I did my first competition, I was 25. And I think when I first lost all the weight and I first saw abs and, you know, everybody was talking about how good I looked, it probably got to my head a little bit as it all does with anybody. But I think as time went on, when I did my last competition in 2018, um, my headspace wasn't, wasn't the same. So, I mean, you're just a human being. You're normal like everybody else. Um, yeah, okay, you have a little bit more discipline or you know, you're a little bit more shredded and stuff. But at the end of the day, we all have a heart. We all have a stomach. We all have the same inside. So what you look on the outside shouldn't change how you treat other people. And that's what I found in the bodybuilding industry is that a lot of people change. And I didn't want to be that person. But I also found that I suffered mentally and emotionally when I was competing as well. In the sense that you're always thinking that you're not lean enough and you know you develop these bad relationships with food so the first two years i competed i actually rebounded after the competition so you know you take six months to lose 30 40 pounds and then i put that shit back on within 30 days after competition and so that's not healthy for your metabolism that's not healthy for your mental emotional state so um the the last year i competed in 2018 i was actually be able to transition out and find a lot more healthy of a balance because after my first competition i ate until i felt sick and it was a horrible relationship with food where you would, you know, you would binge eat and then you would like punish yourself with extra cardio the next day. And so it was this repetitive, and this is very common in the bodybuilding industry. Um, so it was this repetitive cycle of, you know, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, and constantly being hard on yourself. And it's, it's a learning experience, um, which is why I actually don't compete anymore is because I don't think it's healthy. You know, women getting to that low body fat, you know, they lose their menstrual cycle and, you know, they, they start having, you know, these um it's almost like they they're like bipolar you know and so yeah. i just didn't feel like it was right for me because i'm doing this to be healthy i'm making this a lifestyle it's not supposed to be this yin yang emotional roller coaster it's, it's like it already is so why yes. amplify that by you know putting yourself through this not everybody's like that i mean some people can compete and totally be cool with the food afterwards and like they don't suffer or anything but you know the girls the girls are my priority and the girls would constantly say, you know, mommy, like you, you, we would go out for dinner or something like that as a family. And I wouldn't order anything. I just have water because I would be in prep and they'd be like, you know, mommy, like it would be nice if you ate with us kind of thing. And like certain things like that, or like, you don't need to go do no more cardio mom. Like you look beautiful the way you are. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I was also portraying something not so good to my daughters either. Like as much as, you know, bodybuilding makes you strong and the discipline and all that kind of stuff. I felt like becoming more of a lifestyle uh, you know, fitness person, what was more in line with what my beliefs were and what I wanted my daughters to see. So, okay. So did, did that narcissism, did it ever kind of seep into your daughters? I mean, cause I mean, did you, uh, were, did you catch yourself going, Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, okay, it's all about me right now. It's all about me. And then you find yourself maybe slacking with your daughters in a certain, you know, like you say, you, you know, at the dinner table or whatever, you're not eating with them. But did it get like to a point you go, oh, I'm, I'm slacking right here. I should kind of, you know, let this guard down and be here for my daughters. But I got this competition and it is about me. But 
So it's basically, hard. Well, you have to find balance. Even now, my girls say I work too much, but I have to explain to them, well, girls, mommy's a single mom. So I'm the only one that is providing for our family. So, you know, all the kids at school, most of the kids at school, you know, they have a mommy and a daddy. So they both work and they both bring in income to be able to, to feed their families and stuff. But, you know, you only have a mommy doing this. So um, I'm trying my best, but, you know, mommy does have to work to feed you. And, you know, you guys want to play your sports that costs money. You guys want to go on vacations that costs money. So um, it's. It's, it's hard to find balance even now. I, I, you know, it went from all my time and energy being in bodybuilding and constantly doing all that to working. <laughs> and I took care, I was my dad's caretaker for five years before he passed. So that was another part of our, our schedule and that kind of thing, which is, you know, being a caretaker, um, I, I liked the girl seeing that as much as it was, uh, for lack of a better term, sometimes an inconvenience in our life to, you know, having to go to Papa's house and to, you know, give him insulin and to wrap his legs and to feed him on all this kind of stuff. Um, I feel like with them, uh, that that's going to sit better with them growing up and they're not going to be so opposed to, you know, taking care of people at the end of the day, which I think, you know, all of us need to do. We need to take care of our families. We need to take care of our friends. It takes a village to raise a child. Um, and it's, it's the same when your parents get old, you know, you all got to pitch in and stuff. So I feel like that's just, you know, making sure that they stay grounded. You know, that was the, I was, I was going to avoid that, but you mentioned it, but man, I, that was the one that was hard for me to watch because I see those pictures of your dad with your, your, your little girls when they were growing up and just that, that look of joy on his face, you know, he was probably a grandfather. I don't know for the first time, but he was a grandfather to his only daughter, you know? And so I, the look, it was just beautiful. You could say, you could see the joy in his eyes, how he's playing with his granddaughters. And man, that really, that really touched me. And I, I wasn't really going to go there, but I was like, so like during that time, you know, when your dad got sick or whatever, like how did that affect your daughter? How did it affect you? And how did it affect your work? I mean, like sometimes we lose, you use food as an emotional crutch. Yeah. I, I know I do when I'm happy, I eat. And even now I'm kind of full, but I'm thinking about tonight, if I go to the movies, I'm going to get some popcorn. I mean, that's just how I am. I mean, my whole thing is I don't do drugs, so my thing is food. And we, and so how did you deal with that aspect of knowing, you know, your father's sick, you're sick out of work, you got your daughters. How did you deal with that? Well, I mean, I've always kind of worked for my father in a sense. And So like it, he's, he owned a sawmill equipment company. Um, so I was, I basically kind of put my personal training and my dreams on the back burner while I was having to take care of him because as time went on, he got worse, um, mm -hmm. and he needed more help. And so at the end of the day, I just became like an executive assistant of his company. So then it kind of was like, I did stuff for the company, but I was also there to take care of him at the same time. So, um, they grew up, you know, helping Papa, you know, wrap his legs and stuff. He was a diabetic. Um, and so this kind of is also one of the main stem reasons why I am the way I am. My dad was over 400 pounds at one point. So watching him growing up, you know, putting that massive glob of butter on his food and, you know, mom having to make these big, massive dinners with, you know, no nutritional value really, uh, because that's what my dad wanted. That's how I grew up. So that's what I watched. Um, and then when I got older and I learned more about, you know, what a carb is and what a protein is and what it does to our body and all this kind of stuff, like, I, my dad and I used to fight like, all the time because I would take him to go to his doctor's appointments and he'd say, Hey Jazz, like, let's, let's stop here. I want a cinnamon bun or stop here. I, I want to float like a root beer float or what. I would say, no dad, I ain't stopping there. And then he'd be like, Jesus, Jasmine, why, why can't I just live my life? And I'm just like, I'm not going to aid in killing you. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be that person. Like if you want to, and this is the thing is that near the end is that he had troubles walking um, you know, he had a walker and all this kind of stuff. So for him to be able to go to a store and get out of his truck to walk inside to get something to come back is too much effort. So he ended up at that point not being able to. So it was the people around him that would be enabling him if they got him these things. He couldn't do it himself. So, you know, at the end of the day, we fought a lot, a lot, because every single time he wanted to get something, I said, no, dad, I'm not going to be that person that enables you to kill yourself. Like, I would like you to be here to walk me down the aisle one day. I would like you to be here to watch your, your granddaughters graduate. Um, but again, with that being said, with my dad being 400 pounds, um, that kind of just fed my passion into me never letting myself get to that point. Did you and me, you know, being the good example for my daughters that my father was not for me when it came to, you know, caring about your health. 
Um, and we used to fight all the time about this kind of stuff. But um, near the end, it was, it was tough. I mean, I got him down 100, 160 pounds. So he was 240 when he passed away. So we were, we were, you know, trying to, you know, he didn't have a choice. I had to feed him. So he had to eat what I gave him. And, you know, uh. chicken again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at that point in time, I kind of just took control of the situation. Like, okay, you can't get up and feed yourself. You're going to eat what I give you. Yeah. And yeah, it was a struggle, but, uh, you know, girls learn how to take care of him. They saw me take care of him. And I think, again, that's just going to aid in them being better humans later on, because I think that being a caretaker humbles you having to like help your father shower and all this kind of stuff is not something that everyone could do. So, yeah. um, you know, the girls witnessing that kind of stuff, I think that's just going to make them better people. Um, I think it made me a better person as much as, you know, I feel all, all these different feels towards dad now that he's gone about, you know, why wouldn't you want to eat healthy? Why wouldn't you want to, you know, do better for you? Because even near the end, he needed a kidney transplant. He refused to take mine. Um, and he had a, a specific range of certain things that he wasn't allowed to eat because of potassium levels, for example. And so I knew this, I had the list with me all the time. And then he would go get my dad, you can't eat that. Like that has, that's high in potassium. And then again, you know, it's just, let me live my life, you know? So, um, it was, it was tough. And then when dad passed, uh, nothing was sorted out. So even now I have to, I just shut down the, the company this last month, but I had to run a small equipment company for the last year because there was nothing in his will pertaining what to do with his company that he had for 30 years or anything like that. So I was the the president and acting director for a sawmill company for the last year as well. So that kind of has all taken away from me being able to focus on my fitness and my brand and all this kind of stuff. So um, as, as unfortunate, and obviously there would be nothing more that I'd want more than to have my dad back. But you know, um, if you look on the more positive and optimistic side of things now, I have time to focus on myself and what I want to do with my life and to build an empire to leave for the girls, if you know what I mean. So it's, it, it was, it was hard. It still is. Losing a loved one is never fun, but I mean, um, you know, grief and, you know, me being put in the position of having to be the president of a company I, I, I didn't know how to run. It just makes you more equipped to be able to handle these tough situations in the future. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's it boils down to our, uh, the primal, you know, it's like surviving. I mean, that's what it's, it's about. I mean, I know, and I, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not speaking out of term. I, I don't mean to disrespect you, but it's like, I'm a firm believer. And just from talk, hearing you talk, you tr- led him to water and it was up to him to drink. You know, I was like, Hey, listen, dad, you know, we want you around. And he didn't want it. It's like, okay. And yeah. so what happened happened. And, you know, I hope that didn't sound too crass, but Okay, now, you know, you got daughters you got to think about and now you got to survive because you got to give them a life. And so now it's like, I see what you're going through. How are you dealing with that stress now? I mean, I have my days actually. To, my daughters are actually both stuck in my room right now. And I told them, I said, girls, mommy has an interview. So you guys <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's been stressful. But again, um, you know, my father had actually left the company in not so great of a state. So when I got into the president role, uh, it was 125K in debt. And so I was sitting there thinking like, hey, how the heck am I going to fix this? Um, so I got in there and just based off of my basic business knowledge that I did, like I saw from, you know, being raised by, you know, my dad who had the successful company my whole life. Like my mom was a stay-at-home mom growing up. So clearly my dad knew what he was doing when I was growing up that he had enough uh, you know, financial capability, not only to have my mom stay at home and raise us, but, but I, I, Taekwondo is expensive. And I was trying, I mean, at one point in time, the company was very profitable. Um, over time, obviously you get tired and all this kind of stuff. He was still working to the day he passed and he was 73. So, I mean, you know, he, I got in there and I was like, okay, okay. so from my basic knowledge, what do I got to do? So I started just cutting costs left, right, and center. Like we had a saltwater fish tank. I was like, this is $120 a month. Like, no, cut the fish tank. Like get the guys in, take the fish away. Like go donate them somewhere. And then, you know, dad had, you know, the nice truck. So he needed to have the platinum edition F-150. And I just, okay, cut it. Like, let's give it back to the dealer. You know, we'll do whatever we have to do. So in 10 months, I was able to um, pay off the whole 125K debt there was um, in a company that I had no idea what to do with. Um, but at, like you said, you, 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 at this, it's like, you got to swim or you're going to die drowning. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, it was very stressful, but I, like I said, at the end of the day, it just is going to make me more equipped as a businesswoman and as a person in general, uh, to 
handle tough situations. And that's where yoga comes in. That's where you, that's where you, I mean, you got to get that little time alone. I mean, I know you love your daughters. Maybe after they go to sleep or whatever, if you're not too tired, maybe a little five minute, you know? So, I mean, so, so let's transition to something uh, more uh, uh, happier. Uh, How about like, so now do you realize the effect you have on men when uh, now through your pictures? Because I, you know, I hit you up on a DM and then I had to email you like, Hey, I'm glad you hit me up on email because I don't answer my DMs. And I can, and I, I took that and I can only imagine what you get through, through your DMs because I see what people leave on your comments like, and I'm like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like, I always think I'm a creeper, but then I read what other people do. I go, you know what? I'm not that bad. You know, I come at you nice and professional and other guys, I'm like, oh my God. So like, how do you do Cause I'm sure you get your fair share of suitors and, and let's just be honest. Do you ever, do you ever get any, uh, those pics yeah, the, in, in, in your the DMs? DMs are a scary place to be honest. I try to stay away from them. <laughs> <laughs> I will like skim once in a while to see if there's a business inquiry in there, but, uh, uh, yeah, there's some interesting things. And honestly, I don't even know how I was able to have the discipline to not kind of give into some of the shit in the past because people are like, Do you know how much money you could make on an OnlyFans? And I'm like, I got daughters, man. Like, I have no judgment towards anybody else that wants to do this. You know, make your money, do your thing. But if I got daughters and they go to high school and all of a sudden these little kids, these little boys, teenagers, you know, they're just finding out these websites and all this kind of stuff. They yeah. find a picture of me and they show my daughters, like, is this your mama? Like, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to ever okay. put them in that situation. So <laughs> tell me the, tell me the worst DM you ever got. The one you went, Oh my God, he actually went there. I want to hear the worst. Like, okay, like the worst one, I think that just like right off the top of my head <laughs> is a gentleman had emailed me or not sorry, emails, but DM me. And his request was that he wanted to pay me $10,000 to step on a tiny pet creature with heels on. And I was like, I love animals. Like I'm offended that this person would even say something like that. But that's probably like the weirdest thing. I get ones like requesting like my used underwear or like- (laughs) (laughs) You can't be real. Like really? Yeah, yeah, it's a weird place, the DMs. I, okay. I stand. <laughs> was it for your used underwear after you got through working out? I think it was something for that. Like, the sweaty was in there somewhere, and I was like, that's gross. Like, you nasty. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, I don't know. Humans are weird. Humans okay. are weird. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's hilarious. Okay, so if somebody was to approach you, even with all the, you know, you proposals, you proposals in here, which, sorry. Okay, if somebody wanted to step to you correctly, like if you had to pick your ideal man, like remember that movie Weird Science, right? You know, they said that, you know pick the ideal woman. If you had to pick the ideal man physically, how would he be? And then, uh, and the personality and everything else uh, over here. So if you had an ideal man physically, how would he look like? Um, I'm like, I'm attracted to fit guys just because it's such a big part of my life that, um, I wouldn't say a requirement by any means, but, um, I don't know. The last couple of guys that I've been involved with have all been tall and athletic. Um, but I mean, when it comes to physical appearance, I think that's very surface level when you're talking about like longevity of actually having something work for somebody. So of course, you need to be attracted to somebody that that's given. Like you can't actually have something with somebody that you're not attracted to. However, sometimes attraction happens later on when you find out their their personality and like, you know, what they bring to the table, their values. Um, So I mean, yes, I, you have to be attracted to somebody, but uh, you know, somebody that's tall, tall and and athletic, you know, they could start talking and be like, Oh, okay. No, you wait. That's that. You ain't a honey. So, I mean, that's not the end all be all. (laughs) Um, When it comes to like the actual personality part of things, like the the most basic way I I put this to people is that if a, I don't, I'm not interested in somebody unless this person makes me want to be better. Unless this person makes me want to do better for myself, wants me to be more successful, be a better person. Um, If, if this person, whatever they are like, whether they, you know, um, and that doesn't even come with their success or anything, but they need to make me want to be better. If they don't, if they make me feel complacent, if they make me feel like it's just whatever, 
they're not for me. I want somebody that's going to light a fire under my ass and say, you can do better than this. You, you have more potential than this. And, you know, or, or, you know, the way you behave this way, you know, you're, you're better than that. So um, I think for personality, like there isn't any certain attributes that I could say. It's just basically if this man makes me want to do better, that's who I want to be with. Oh, I like that. Are, are you are you dating anybody right now? Or are you on Tinder or anything so people can, you know, any guys looking look right here and they can look you up? Right. No, I've actually never <laughs> been on a dating website. Um, I find them just so awkward and like aggressive in the sense like I get enough DMs asking me to go on dates. <laughs> So it's like, I feel like being on social media platforms gives people enough access to you to ask these things and all this kind of stuff. And you can actually, like, if you're not interested in somebody, you could be like, oh, sorry, I'm involved with somebody kind of thing, like super low key. But if you want a dating app, they know you're single, they know you're looking for something. So then yeah. what are you supposed to, you actually have to be like, no, I just, I, I'm, I'm not into you. Like, and I just, that's just super like awkward for me is like just telling a guy like well I'm just not attracted to you so yeah I just rather not put myself in that position to have to do that um I'm not dating anyone right now no um I'm very particular about who I bring around my daughters and after I separated um with their dad I promised myself that I wasn't going to be one of those women that had men come in in other lives so it was kind of one of those circumstances where I wasn't going to dating's been hard because you date somebody and like you can only see them a certain amount of time and all that kind of stuff because you have daughters and because you have a job and like you know when people start dating that don't have kids for example and I guess people that have kids do this anyways but it's just not something that I want to do is like you know you hang out at each other's houses you have dinner together you do this you do that you, you're not always going out you're not always spending money at a restaurant or you know going to the movies and this kind of thing so uh, it becomes very limited in the sense where I'm not going to invite a man over to my house until I know that I want to keep him around, which, you know, I am a firm believer when you start dating somebody, you need to see them in all types of situations. Yes. Yes. To understand who they truly are. And that takes time. You need to see them when they're pissed off. You need to see them when they're upset or when, you know, when shit's hard or when they're at their high, like, are they, you know, this kind of, you need to see them in all these situations to truly know who they are. And that takes yes. time. It could take months. It could take years. So I want to see I'm how. I'm not going to bring somebody over. Sorry, go ahead. No, I want to see like, because I, I know what I can bring out of a woman and sometimes that's not the good thing, but I want to see like what you are when you're drunk, what you are when you're drunk and mad at me, what you're yeah. like when you're mad at me, but not drunk. What are you like when you're mad at me in the daytime? What you're yeah. like when you're mad at me uh, when, you know, uh, oh man, I forgot to call or text. I want to see you at your worst. And yeah. then if it's like, okay, I can deal with it. I, I, I just want the worst. Because to me, it's easy when you're making money or you're maybe seeing somebody every now and then because you have daughters on the weekend maybe or whatever. Hey, who can't, who can't look like they're, you know, the king there? Like, you know, oh my God, this guy's great. You know, you're out to eat. Maybe you're working out together. You're all glistening together. Like, yeah, it's cool. But, but when it gets hard. That, that hard kind of like, hey, I lost my exactly. job, you know, that's that's what I want. So, yeah, exactly. I want to see. Yeah. So, ooh, yeah, what, so that's kind of how. So, so what's your worst attribute, your worst attribute that you wish you were better at? Um, There's probably a few. One is like, um, what did my dad call it? Uh, analysis. No, paralysis by over analysis. So as most women overthinking. Okay. Um, so I mean, like, uh, my dad always says to me, my, my, my brother is paralysis by over analysis. So we paralyze ourselves by overanalyzing the situation or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I definitely think that's probably one of my, my, my faults is, you know, just, um, I'm overanalyzing things. Like it could be totally something really small and like nothing you have to worry about. And I blow it up in my head to being this whole situation. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I've been told that I'm like one of um, with men that I've dated in the past that I'm very chill. I'm very laid back and very low key. Um, however, there was a point in time where I wasn't so like that. But that was like, you know, when we're 18, 19, you know, when they don't answer your text or your call or something, it's the end of the world. But, you know, when you're in your 30s, <laughs> oh, that person's just busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's probably my biggest one at this point. I feel like I've done so much self-development and um, – you know, you have to be self-aware. A lot of people these days don't want to think that anything that they do is wrong. 
And yes. this is, you know, I've watched a lot of relationship podcasts on this, um, more pertaining to women. They're just not self-aware. They don't want to be accountable for their own actions. You know, so whenever I feel like I've stepped out of place, I do a because you have to be self-aware. Yes. Um, and the thing is, a lot of women don't want to, to be accountable for it. So, you know, if I am having a bad day, I'm in a bad mood and you know um the guy that I, I i've been talking to or hanging out with you know comes you know i don't know we're talking about something and then i maybe give some sass or something or i you know uh, project whatever's going on in my life onto them it usually takes me you know a day to you know you know circle back and be like hey you know what yesterday when i did this that wasn't right of me and i apologize um and so i feel like now i'm in a really good place that i feel like i am self-aware I'm aware of my my own behaviors. We're all human. We're not going to be perfect all the time. I mean, um, you know, and no relationship's going to be perfect all the time. So it's not always going to be sunshines and rainbows. Like you said, I, you know, I want to see you when you're drunk or when you're pissed off at me when you're drunk and like all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So, I mean, um, at this point in time, I feel like I'm in a good place that, you know, no matter what, if there is certain things about me that may uh, not be like the best compatible situation, I think that I'm self-aware enough to be like, hey, you know what, Jazz? Like, you probably could have handled that a little bit better. And you can't be too proud to apologize and then just, you know, hopefully move on with shit. Because girls also like to, like, they don't like to let you go. So, you know, you go out with boys, you get too drunk, you act cool. They, they be letting you have that for, like, two months after. It's like, okay, if you can't, you know, have, have this session being like, okay, babe, like, I didn't appreciate the way you behaved. Like, you know, it was kind of embarrassing the way you behaved, this kind of thing, like, I just want to let you know how you feel. You have a discussion on it and you move on. You know, you don't sit there and be like, you know, just <laughs> like two months after. But where have you been my whole life? This is perfect. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sir, you should be put on a pedestal right now. Your face should be put, your whole body should be put on, on Mount St. Everett, not St. Everett, but Mount uh, Rushmore right now. It should be the president's and you. For what you just said, you're the most important woman in the world. I've never heard a woman say that on this podcast. So God bless you for saying that. I mean that. That is. My best friend and we have these debates and 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 conversations and arguments even sometimes and sometimes we'll be like you know what we have to agree to disagree on this one one of my best friends he's a guy he's totally like into all this kind of stuff like because he, again he hasn't been able to um, find a woman that can be self-aware and apologize when she's in the wrong and yes. so we have these discussions all the time Yes, you need to go on a podcast and talk about this. Like, you need to start a podcast. Because the, 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 and I was like, yeah, I don't feel like having like a whole bunch of women like you know come at me. <laughs> so. No, no. What they need is you. You could be our new leader. You should be the new leader because yes, what you're saying, every woman needs to hear this. Ladies, are you hearing what she's saying? Be <laughs> self-aware. You're wrong sometimes. Admit it. We're right and you're wrong. Just admit it. We'll let you have it. Take us out to eat. Pay for the bill and say I was wrong. Well, what can I do for you? I'll I'll make you get, take me to Starbucks and you pay for it. I mean, just little things like that. You are my hero now, Jazz. You're well, my hero. I mean, it works both ways, right? I mean, like I feel like you know, men. It, it, they also have pride. They also you know struggle sometimes sitting there and looking in the mirror and seeing you know not so much maybe situational, but like um, in the long term, like you know we all have traits that you know aren't so desirable. Um, so you know if if um, like social media, for example, you know, people on social media, social media has ruined relationships because you have accessibility to hundreds of thousands of people in the palm of your hand when your significant other has done you wrong. And this is where I'm finding, you know, even as a woman that is on social media, I get a lot of guys in my DMs um, that have women. And it's like, do you not see that I can look at your profile and see that your profile picture is with another woman and you think that I want to play into this? And this is like, you know, what I mean is that like, they think that that's okay. And they think that, you know, it is what it is. Um, and so there are certain things that I think both men, women can both sit there and, um, you know, do better at. But, um, yeah, I feel like now, you know, no. I'm in a good place in that, in you, that you, sense. No, you're my hero. You're my hero. And every, and every woman needs to hear this right now. You need to seriously give a speech. It needs to be our president, your prime minister, and then you. That's what needs to be said is what you just said was profound. And I appreciate you for saying that. <laughs> I mean, that from the bottom of my heart. No, it's great. 
Yo, I man, God, I know we're having to wrap up here in a little bit, man. But God damn it, I and I didn't even touch on any, uh, any of the stuff I really, really wanted because I just I wanted to let you flow with it because I just find your life honest. I find it really, really fascinating. And I had to get this far. Forget, far forget. How tall are you? I'm five one. Oh my goodness, are you serious? I'm like really, really short. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> short. <laughs> <laughs> my roommate's five one. So I know exact. I know exactly. I tell you, my roommate is five one. So you and her could, yeah, go out and. Uh, yeah, play. I'm really short, and even honestly, my ten year old daughter's almost taller than me now. And uh, I guess because I had kids young, you know, I was out with her the other day, and somebody asked if she was my sister. I'm like, no, that's my daughter. Cons to everything. I mean, I and and you know, being how how thick I am, you know, my legs and and and, and stuff. Like part of the the shitty part of being um so short is that you have trouble finding clothes that fit. You know what? I'm but glad I know you that said tall people have that same issue. So. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I try to be respectful. I mean, I really liked your pictures. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I was like, wow. I mean, I'm sure you get compliments on your on your glutes. That's a nice professional way of saying it. on your glutes. Your glutes are second to none. Uh, and um, yeah. I mean, so and I and I and before I forget about this, band training I think is the most underrated of all the training, especially as you get older, band training is the greatest. If you, uh, A little bit, can you expound on that just a little bit before we get out of here? Yeah, I definitely um, agree with you. And I say this to a lot of my clients is that like, I, I use bands every week. I use them almost every day. And I feel like resistance bands, just because there isn't like a, a quote unquote weight Um, factor behind it like they do have different like you know medium strong and like some like the bad company that I uh, I use the x-band they actually have bands that have um, the, the weight comparison to it so like this is 15 pounds of resistance um, and they go all the way up to like 125 pounds of resistance and I like I like lift heavy athletes and I can't even budge one of those bands yeah. um, and I just feel like people put too much emphasis on we need to lift heavy weights to gain muscle but there's so if you think about the human body and you think about a muscle, like let's just take a quadricep for example. You got slow twitch muscle fibers and you have fast twitch muscle fibers. And so there's you know red and white and all this kind of stuff in there, and they all connect to different points. They all crisscross and all this kind of stuff. So if you really want to develop a, a, a muscle group like a quadricep, you need to take all that to, into consideration. It's not always about how heavy you're going to lift. Um, you know, it has to come down to you know activating those slow twitch muscle fibers which is heavy lifting and then your fast twitch which is more like plyometrics and jumping and like fast twitch movements um you know resistance bands you know changing the the diet or sorry the the where so like even with a, a glute kickback you're not just doing one way all the way back you should think about going all the way back you should be thinking on a diagonal and off the side because it's like um, and I think that Arnold said this at one point in time, and I've never heard the interview, but I've explained it this way to somebody. And they're like, oh, I think Arnold said that. Every time you go into the gym for a workout and you think about the muscle, that you, the body part that you're about to train, you have to think of it as a canvas. So you go in with this blank, empty, white canvas. And let's take up your back, for example, because I feel like the back is a fascinating muscle in the sense that when you have a well-developed back, it looks like a puzzle piece. You can see all yes. these different muscles in, in yeah. the back, right? So you go in, you've got this blank canvas, and you're doing your rows. And you're doing your rows heavy and then you're going to sit there and grab a band and you're going to start doing single arm with your band but your elbows kind of out on a dangle it's like brush strokes every rep is a brush stroke so if you're doing heavy you think about like the deep strokes that are, are, are and then the lighter ones are like little like feather strokes and stuff and then instead of having just one that goes this way and one that goes this way you have them that they, they flow so a flower for example so if you think of your back it needs you need to activate all the muscles all the different directions different it, it, yeah anyways and now i'm going on a tangent but you get what i'm saying <laughs> no I, I i love you to talk about i got i'm getting the wrap it up signal so what i want to ask you a couple i'm gonna ask you some questions one word answers one word okay. answers okay right. role model I don't even know, to be honest. Okay, growing up, who was your role model? Um, I didn't even really have a role model. Now I think it's just certain fitness enthusiasts that I look up to just because I like what they stand for. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Favorite sport now? To watch or participate in? <laughs> to watch. I like 
watching football in UFC. Okay. Favorite sport to participate in? Favorite what? Favorite sport to participate in? Participate. You participate. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely you are like boss, like martial arts. I always I, have fun. I still have fun hitting the bag. I think you should do that. I mean, you're still young enough. You can. You got you got that background in Taekwondo. I used to wrestle. I'll listen. I'll I'll fly up there and help you out. Okay. I'm gonna t- <laughs> uh, I'll, listen. I'll fly up there and help you out. I like my face. <laughs> I don't want it to like you. Know? <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to help you out. I'm just trying to help you out. Okay. I get it. I get it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, most attractive man to you. Sexiest man alive to you. Like who does it for you? When you see him, you go. Hmm. Denzel Washington. Oh, 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 Denzel. She likes the Zell. You hear that, Wyatt? I've got a shot. I like that. <laughs> Denzel. <laughs> I love it. I guess. I'm like, yeah. Well, he's just got different levels. He's so intelligent and he stands for something and he's talented. He's got everything combined. You know? Yeah, intelligence is a big one for me. I mean, when I was younger, I, I dated a lot of guys that weren't so intelligent, and then now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we, we've all done it. We've all done it. The ones you go, yeah, oh and man. Now, like intelligence, like a, a, a man that can have an in-depth conversation, not surface level. Anyone can have surface level. How are you? How did you sleep? All that kind of stuff. In-depth conversations and intellectual and like. Having different stances, yeah, that that gets me going. Kind of like myself. Oh my god, I threw myself in the ring. Anyway, listen, Jazzy J, I gotta get out of here. Thank you. So I want to do a part two. I didn't even scratch the surface of what I want to talk to you because, man, we were going at it. I let you go because I felt like it needed to be told. I mean, I can always tell when somebody needs to get that out, and I just felt like you needed to get that out. You know what I mean? Well, it, I, 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 I get asked. I don't have. And I haven't done a podcast since before COVID, so I guess there's just so much to say. Then. No, I mean, but I could tell though. I tell when people talk, like, okay, they had to get that out. It's like when you go out with a married man. For some reason, they love to talk, and you just go, "All right." I went on my uncle like last summer, and I guess his wife was driving me crazy. He didn't say it, but he talked my ear off. I didn't get one word in. Then at the end, he goes, "Hey, man, good talking to you." I go, "Yeah, whatever." So <laughs> I can tell. But listen. I hope we get a part two. I'd like to get some more out of you. Uh, anything else uh, you want to uh, 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 pump or anything, like some of your products, anything? No, no. Everything can be found on my Instagram page. I I'm not a salesy person, so I don't sit there and, you know, start pumping people up. If anyone wants to change their life, then, you know, hit me up. Miss Jazzy underscore fit. Honestly, thank you so much for your time, for taking a chance on me because I could have been a creep. So honestly, so thank you so much for that. I mean, if I, I knew you before I talked to you uh, just by your wonderful pictures. Honestly, I think you're beautiful inside and out. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You're beautiful inside and out. Hopefully this can be the start of us. I want to talk to you again and get a part two going on. But I know you got girls in the room locked waiting for their mommy. So listen, you go take care of them. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow her up on Instagram at Miss Jazzy underscore fit. I'm BT with Tales from a Gemini. And you know how I say it about this time. Peace.